following film podcast frequently contains adult content, including foul language and descriptions of adult situations. Spoilers for the films discussed occur often. Listener discretion is advised. Now take it away, Dr. Rausch. <laughs> they must be destroyed on sight! Okay, welcome back to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight, episode 151, and I'm your host, Lee. To know them means to eliminate them, Russell. And I am joined yet again by my co-host, Daniel. If you answer yes, then you must accept all the necessary consequences, Harper. How are you doing, sir? I'd say I'm doing well, but um, my roof started leaking as I was finishing this movie this afternoon. So, uh, you know, the the roof in my kitchen, I currently have a bucket. And uh, we'll figure that out tomorrow. But um, yeah, everything's going great. Otherwise, yeah, this one was a this one was a tough one to pull quotes from because everyone was everything was so dire. It's like uh, I can't <laughs> really make that <laughs> funny. It's hard hard to make a joke out of uh, you know revolutionary, anti revolutionary, counter revolutionary violence. Uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> not 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 one of the fun ones, definitely. No, but we're gonna be looking at something pretty interesting here: the Battle of Algiers from 1966. Uh, but before we get into that, I'm gonna get into one comment we got on one of our YouTube videos. This is on the YouTube version of the rundown, and I think we did another one on that episode, didn't we? It wasn't a commando? I think or. No, we th- I think we did those in separate episodes. But did we? Okay, yeah. I can't remember. We're so far back. Now. We did Commando I mean, and Running Man together. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So this is from, and this is a foreign comment. So uh, this is this is where the humor comes from. This uh, my my racism trying to uh, decipher what the fuck is being said here. TGT and PGT funny video video spelled V E D I O posted this comment: Kanky Chuddy. Two words, kanky chuddy. And I was like, what the fuck is that? I tried running it through some translators, didn't work too well. So I went to our old friends uh, at the Urban Dictionary because it's the most reliable source on the internet to find out what the fuck. Clearly, cool. Yeah. Narrowing it down, either this person is saying bosom friend and fuck. So that might be a proposition or something along those lines. Sure. Or they're saying prostitute and any black person with a penis in excess of 10 inches, which is apparently what a chuddy is. So I, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe they have some info on the rock who, you know, it's entirely or Christopher Walken. Who knows? Could could be, (laughs) you know, (laughs) maybe Christopher Walken is a black prostitute with a 10 inch penis. I, I, I'm just going to let that one, uh, let that one go. But, um, yeah. you know, but, so, somebody uh, commenting on our thing. I mean, I really, what I'm thinking based on, based on, uh, the experience of that comment in this movie is that wherever this person is, I hope the French colonize that place. <laughs> <laughs> I do not actually wish that that's a terrible thing to wish, but you know, yeah. I th- I thank think, you for listening. Yeah. I think the commenter was Bengali or something along those lines, Oh yeah, but it it looked it was one of those uh weird arabic looking languages the 
like Turkish or Indian or Bengali. Sure. Totally different things, of course. Yeah, let's let's not let's not uh, dig any deeper into this. <laughs> I think I think uh, I think our implicit, um, you know, Westernized white people uh, racism is is uh, has gone far enough on this one. Yeah, especially for this film, this is really not the yeah, time. It's, to it's pretty bad. The yeah. way, especially especially talking about Middle Easterners and yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, moving on. Uh, we can yeah, talk about what we watched in the last little while, and uh, I'll throw over to you first there, Daniel. Uh, just one thing I'll mention. I watched The uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs on Netflix, and that is really fucking good. It will uh, almost certainly be on my top ten list at the end of the year. Might even, I mean, you know, if you're up for covering it, I'm, I'm kind of down to cover it at some point. You can do it. This is definitely, um, if we are going to, I mean, I'll, I'll try not to uh, give too much away, but... Uh, Everything Lee said in the previous episode, uh, pretty much absolutely true. One of the things I really like about it is the Coen brothers are, are known for, uh, you know, kind of uh, <laughs> sometimes better at writing setups and uh, conclusions, you know, in mm-hmm. some of their films, you know. And uh, this really is uh, like a bunch of short stories that they had written over the last, like, 25 years that they had just yep. adapted into a movie, which means you can just kind of have the little dark twisted humorous black humor moments and uh then you just move on to something else and Mm -hmm. it's kind of glorious at that i really like some of the characters in this i really like some of the stories i really like the tone i really love the 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 title story buster scruggs story which i'm just i'm i want you to just uh not don't know anything about it (laughs) the less you know Going into that one, uh, I think the the more you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, I think we are gonna we are gonna have to cover this at some point. I mean, hell, we could do it next week for all I care. But um, you know, so I'll uh, I'll kind of leave it at that. But uh, you know, very highly recommended. Very very good film, and I uh, got a couple of Oscar nominations this week too. So oh, nice, nice, good, good. Yeah, uh, good for uh, adapted screenplay and costumes, and I think there was one more, but um, didn't oh. get like best picture or anything like that. But um. Oh man, uh, I wanted I wanted Tom White to get best fucking best actor. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, didn't happen for him. Uh, at least I don't believe it did. I, I didn't. I don't have him in front of me. But no, it did get a best adapted screenplay nod. In a lot of ways, these screenplay nominations are kind of the best picture nominations. Yeah, you know, like in the when when you actually get in the swing of things, like oh, no, those are the real ones. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it should it should at least get like best song or something like that. Oh, best song. That's uh, that's. Oh, what was it? For. Yes, it. yes. Joe was a gambler. He'll gamble never more. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, <laughs> it's great stuff. If nothing else, watch the first like ten minutes. If you're not hooked, then uh, you know I don't yeah, know why you're listening to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, great. One thing I watched of note was uh, The Incredibles two. Sure, and I can definitely see why you're disappointed in it because it's basically just the same fucking movie uh, as the first one. Although, definitely a lot lighter in tone. Like, the first Incredibles had lots of people dying in it. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Yeah. And this one is just, like, lighthearted. We're going to pull our punches and just make it, like, Mr. Mom. And and Samuel L. Jackson is the cool black friend. And you have your stressed-out teenage daughter. And, uh, yeah. I, I thought the jokes landed pretty well in it, though. I thought it was yeah. it was good I, for that. I I put it on my kind of bottom list, not necessarily because it's awful, because I don't think mm-hmm. it's awful, but more just on the like it's just disappointing that they didn't do more with it, right? You know? And fourteen years after the first one, you're just kind of like, yeah, let's just remake that. You know, it does it does seem like kind of a missed opportunity because of so many other great superhero films that are being made these days. That you know, yeah, let's just pretend none of that happened and uh, <laughs> just kind of you know. I mean, it's 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 just fine, and that's what Pixar should never be fine. 
you know, d- you yeah. know those, those kind of films should never kind of exist in that. Like, yeah, it's okay. You know, it should be, you know, I expect more from them. <laughs> I think this would have worked a lot better if it was released the year after the first one. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. if it had come out in like 2007 or something, you know, or, you know, like the original is 2004. So if it come mm-hmm. out, you know, a few years later, I, you know, would have, I would have felt very differently. But I know it's a continuation of the first film, but it exists to make a billion dollars. And I think yeah. it kind of did that. And so, like, whatever. <laughs> like, you know, like it's, it's, it's a just purely commercial product. It was just, it's effective at the thing it does. I just wish it had done more. <laughs> Yeah, or I anything agree. really, you know. Um, I have mm-hmm. seen some interesting conversation about how it evens out some of the, uh, you know, some of the sort of uh, the, the bad politics of the first one. It, it's it's sort of better on those issues, but not even in a. I don't know. It's just hard for me to like work up any enthusiasm at all for really digging into it in any way. You know? Yeah. No, I, I looked at it as fluff and kind of left it at that. It was yeah. enjoyable fluff, kind of. Yeah. yeah. I will say just on that, um, I watched a little bit of Shrek. It was just kind of on the mm-hmm. television. Like my wife put it on from one of the like services that we just magically have. Through I've, never, I've never watched any of those films. Oh, okay. Uh, the first one I really liked upon uh, theatrical release. Um, the second mm-hmm. one was garbage, and I never bothered with the third. Um, or the like Puss in Boots or any of that kind of stuff. But I <laughs> saw the first one and really, really liked it when I was like 20 years old in theaters. Mm-hmm. I will say, man, you know, the technology of these CG animated films has just moved. So because that movie looked amazing when I saw it on the big screen in 2000. And now it's like, man, everything just kind of looks plastic and cartoony. And, you know, just kind of, <laughs> I mean, you know, you can't blame it for being, you know, yeah. 18, 19 years old. I mean, I'm not landing on that. It's just sort of like, also that one was kind of the original of that kind of fractured fairy tale DreamWorks film, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, they just kind of ended up using that same kind of pop culture reference, put cool songs in a movie kind of, they, they started using that formula way, way too often. And um, the whole thing just kind of gets tarnished by that. I mean, the first one was really good upon an, an original release, but you know, I rewatched the last 30 minutes of it or so. And I'm just like, yeah, I, I don't know that I would like recommend this today to, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no. You know, we've just moved too far from this at this point. But, watch um, watch Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Watch watch Into the Spider-Verse among, above almost any of these kind of films at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to play a couple podcast promos and some music from the film, and we'll be right back to cover the Battle of Algiers. You ungodly warlock. Hollywood released the first sequel in 1916. I'm sure you can all say it along with me. Los Locos kick your butt. Los Locos kick your face. Los Locos kick your balls into outer space. Which is poetry. Yeah, it is. But not enough gangs have theme songs. And they've been churning them out ever since. Uh, the catcher, played by Tom Bergeron, whose name is... Tom what? Berenger. Tom Berenger. Did I say Tom, Tom Berenger? You said Tom, Tom Bergeron. Bergeron from Dancing with the Stars is in this movie. Hi, I'm the that. catcher. <laughs> How do you sort out the good? Fred is the real hero of this movie. Oh. He's employing the homeless. He's he getting really back is. on their feet. Yeah. And he promised them uh, McDonald's. From the bad... Usually he's crying a lot more when he's making this much <laughs> sexual small talk with a woman. Yeah. Uh, so kudos to him for keeping it together. From the ugly. True fact, at this point in the movie, I wrote pointless, pointless, pointless. <laughs> <laughs> I had written birds, birds, I I, birds. <laughs> I think I threw my notebook like what, three times? Yeah, like at I'm, the end, I was having you put oh it God. back into your hand. 
but I wrote birds, birds, birds. <laughs> Join Brad and Jeremy. So, so Snoo Sue sneaks out. Yep, Snoo sneaks. I couldn't say Snoo sneaks. Snoo sneaks out. <laughs> Snoo sneaks out. To go. <laughs> Snoo sneaks out to go spy the military. <laughs> so. Yeah, so Sue sneaks out, think out. <laughs> to, to go talk to the Silver Surfer because she wants to figure out. <laughs> to the Silver Surfer. To the Silver Surfer. <laughs> I think we completely lost it. <laughs> oh, eight episodes in. I think we were just I think we're crazy. Good night, uh, folks. On the Deuce Podcast. Check us out on Facebook at thedeucepodcast.podbean.com, Stitcher, iTunes, or Google Play. Well, I've never touched a bra is. before. Don't, don't <laughs> yell at me. You've never touched a bra? <laughs> well, no, I mean, whatever. I've moved. I mean, I don't. No, I don't shop for... Just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, the sequel is king. Then you come to the right place. My name is Gary and I'm your guide to Cinema Beef Podcast. Every episode we not only deliver film reviews, we also dismantle some of your favorite and most hated films. Sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. Hey, 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 you shut your face! If we want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm up your ass and work your mouth like a puppet! Alright, calm down, calm down. Every show I hope to have a new co-host, podcasters, and listeners alike. That's right, I'm talking to you people. I take all comers. Oh, slats. That's not very nice. The only rules, well, let's ask the best cooler in the business. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. Three, be nice. So join the insanity and please vent your frustrations. I'm available on TalkShoe, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. And remember, here at the Sun Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder. You ungodly warlock.
The Battle of Algiers, 1966. <laughs> Nous sommes arrivés à la moyenne de 4,2 attentats par jour. Oui, il faut distinguer les attaques individuelles et les attentats à la bombe. Nous disons qu'il y a une minorité qui s'impose par la terreur et la violence. Nous devons agir sur cette minorité dans le but de l'isoler et de la détruire. La France doit-elle rester en Algérie Si vous répondez encore oui, vous devez en accepter toutes les conséquences nécessaires. Directed by Jello Ponticorvo and written by Franco Salinas and Jello Porticovo Corvo. It is starring Gene Martin as Colonel Matthew, uh, Yasef Saadi as Defar, Bremhim Hedjaji as Ali Lapointe, Tomas O'Neary as Captain Sama Kabrash as Fatha, Ugo Peliti as Captain. Fusa El Kadar as Halima and Mohammed bin Kasim as Petit Omar. And the synopsis I pulled from IMDb. And I actually looked through these ones because I figured we had to find something that would at least cover this a little bit. Filmed in a semi-documentary format, this film deals with the Battle of Algiers from 1956 to 57, part of the broader fight for Algerian independence from 1954 to 1962 from French colonial rule. The rebels began their attacks by shooting policemen and other government officials when they start bombing public places in the European sector, cafes, restaurants, the Air France office. The authorities send in crack military units. Through large-scale arrests and torture, the colonel in charge focuses on locating and eliminating the leaders of the movement, and that's from Gary KMCD. And yeah, that's a that's a good little back of the box synopsis to, to get you into yeah. this. I think. The one thing is, I wouldn't say it's shot in a semi-documentary format as much as it's kind of shot in 
you know, kind of photoreal or kind of near realist style. Mm-hmm. You know, it's shot to kind of look like newsreel footage, but it's not like shot like a documentary. You it, know? Ba- it bounces even within one scene without cutting. Mm-hmm. It kind of bounces between those two aesthetics. I, I find like there's just the way they do things sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's not. It's not like you know. It's not doing like kind of a mockumentary kind of, kind no. of thing. You know, which no. uh, I think. Uh, you know, just uh, again, I don't think that uh, you necessarily come away from that synopsis thinking that, but you know, it's worth clarifying that you know, visually, it's shot very kind of in that in that style, but not uh, necessarily structurally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, this was this was an interesting get one to get into because I've never seen this before. I'd never even heard of this before until. Uh, uh, Jack suggested it uh, for us to do. What's your sort of general thoughts on this, Daniel? This is a first time watch for me. This had been on my radar for a really long time. Yeah, it was kind of something to see, but also, you know, oh yeah, let's watch a, a really depressing film about uh, <laughs> revolutionaries getting uh, hunted down and tortured and killed. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that's you know uh, not always uh, what you're in the mood for on a on a Saturday night, but. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a great film. I mean, obviously, this is one of the most kind of historically significant films about this kind of thing. Very rarely do we see a film that's uh, kind of this. I want. I don't want to say even-handed. I don't want to say realistic, but this kind of honest in its portrayal of uh, these kinds of movements and just mm-hmm. kind of the way that this stuff works. Reminds me a lot of a uh, City of God in a way. Um, the yeah. uh, 2002 film about Brazil, about you know, kind of drug lords in Brazil, in terms of uh, being very kind of close to the ground in terms of being sympathetic to. I mean, kind of everybody's a little bit sympathetic and everybody's a little bit, you know, shades of gray and shades of black. And, you know, it's just kind of, it just kind of tries to portray the reality of what's going on. And it doesn't ask us to sort of make a, a moral case for it. And, you know, it's, as far as I'm concerned, you know, <laughs> revolutionary movements against colonialism, I'm, I'm completely on the side of the rebels, but they do some pretty awful shit in this mm-hmm. film, you know? Um, and um, this does seem to be, um, you know, just kind of based on uh, kind of reading up a bit on it. You know, there are some, uh, composite characters this isn't you know kind of a right. kind of a straight retelling of a real story but um pretty pretty much this is kind of what happened <laughs> and uh mm-hmm. it's uh it's a really effective at, at doing the thing it does it, it tells that story it gets uh you know it literally is is a, a film that is shown to uh <laughs> people combating guerrilla movements in in yeah. uh, the the global south um and it does that for a reason i and i and you know it's it's completely it's got to be I mean, if you're a film fan this has got to be on your list of of films to watch a lot going on in this film uh, you know kind of politically character wise until before we get into that i i mean you know what what are your kind of initial thoughts i guess i was pretty taken back at how effective this is just yeah. You're right. It's it's very it's very sort of even handed in, in the way it treats the subject matter. Like, uh, I mean, this is based on the memoirs of one of the uh, one of the guys who who actually acts in the movie as well. He's he was one of the NLF or the whatever National Liber- Liberation Front or whatever. The I fuck think it. he's the guy that brings Ali in at the yes. beginning, like that guy. He yeah. was he was yeah yeah yeah. So this is based on his book, although the script was rewritten because apparently the script that he wrote for it from his memoirs was very, very pro Algerian. Like it, it was right. very, very biased on, on their uh, side. Although, although, although not to, to be fair, uh, this film is also pretty, is. you know, pro uh, revolution, you know, it is. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, um, it's not a hagiography though. It doesn't, it doesn't kind of give you, it's not, it's not a propaganda piece in favor yeah. of the, the 
revolution, but it, uh, it, it's more it, it's more balanced. It, it it shows the the sort of shades of gray. Nobody in this is totally clean. Everyone does awful things in this film, uh, wh- whether you uh, believe in their cause or not. I, I found it interesting though because it it sort of sort of feels like um, this is just after France is beaten out of Vietnam, basically. Like yep. they, they they got their asses kicked in Vietnam. And it feels like almost that the paratroopers they bring in have something to prove, and yeah, and, and it feels like they're they've intensified their the, the things they're doing in in order to get back a little bit of I don't know get back a little bit of a pride or whatever for losing so badly in in Vietnam. <laughs> they got to get their balls back, man. Come yeah. on, that's the you know that that's the that that's kind of the the feeling they have. Um, it's definitely a complicated subject to sort of tackle and I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know too much about the actual, uh, the actual revolution and the sort of socio-political things that went mm-hmm. on. But I mean, I have no massive love of Islam or any other religion, but I sort of recognize that people should be left to govern themselves in their own country out with out, outside intervention. And of course, unless there's like special cases where there's human rights abuses or, another nation is in danger from this nation that's governing themselves in a certain way. Well, is, France, is, France had taken over Algeria. Kind of, this was part of the big scramble for Africa in the 19th century. Right. And uh, they had been, you know, extracting, uh, you know, the resources of this region for 130 years at the, at the time. Mm-hmm. This, you know, the entire history. I mean, I've, I've read some books about the, uh, about this period, not necessarily in Algeria, but, you know, some books about like the Belgian Congo and stuff. And, I mean, Heart of Darkness is not, uh, parts of Heart of Darkness are basically just a documentary, all right? You know, mm-hmm. colonial administrators with severed heads and, and that kind of shit, you yeah. know, all over the place, you know, torturing people for rubber. Um, I'm not sure exactly what they were extracting out of, out of, um, I mean, it's probably oil, I would imagine. I imagine so. Um, it's Northern Africa, right? So right, it's, it's like Northern Africa, desert. right? It's It's right on the Mediterranean, so. Yeah, um, I'm not sure what resource they're extracting. Um, you know, and again, I apologize for kind of not having that. You know, I do the due diligence on this, but uh, I mean, that's why these colonial powers are there. And I mean, look, mm-hmm. I, I'm an American. My country has been, you know, <laughs> taking over half the world and extracting resources from them for the last oh, the entire time we've been a country, but particularly since World War II. I mean, mm-hmm. we are currently existing in an occupation of, uh, you know, Afghanistan that's in its like 18th year, 17th yeah. year. And uh, we keep uh, sticking around in Iraq. We've got, you know, a thousand to 10,000 military bases around the world. My uh, cultural hands are not clean on this, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, that's why we stand in against these kind of imperialist <laughs> ambitions, right? You know, and I mean, I think it speaks, I mean, it's funny that we're recording this in the in the, in the week where you know right now as we're speaking there's an attempted you know like coup in venezuela yeah which you know like a u.s backed coup which is gonna you know like topple a a democratically elected leader who is probably not the nicest person and who has kind of exacerbated the conditions in venezuela but also it was you know not you know not a puppet of you know western interests so we're seeing that we're also seeing the uh, the end of the u.s government shutdown is this week and that mm-hmm. was ended by, you know, basically a general strike among air traffic controllers and the like. And so, yeah. 
you know, it, it feels very, uh, you know, of the moment. I mean, you know, you're watching this and, you know, like like the torture sequences. And I just kept thinking about Abu Ghraib, you know, which is, I mean, that's, yeah. that's a decade and a half ago. But, you know, still, it's it's this this didn't end in 1957 or 1962. You know, this is still going on. It's it, it has an, an immediacy, I think, because of that. You know, this is not really history. Yeah, one of the biggest things I liked about this is it at least treated the uh, it, it treated the Middle Eastern uh, people in this fairly. It didn't treat them like uh-huh. stereotypes. And they're human beings. It, they're human beings. Yeah, and it, it made it made a point as much as it is sort of fairly balanced and although slightly slanted towards the uh, Algerian side of things. It made a really good sort of poignant look at colonialism and the sort of institutionalized racism that comes with it, you know, Mm -hmm. just and it's made very apparent in in a lot of scenes because you basically see a lot of this stuff is shot right on the streets and it's actual, you know, extras. It's not like there's very few professional actors in this film at all. I think there's like one or two, honestly. Right. Yeah. And so it gives you a, a nice little sort of. Uh, different slices of day-to-day life in the city and it gives you you know a more authentic feel of the actual culture that's going on in the city Uh, like the biggest conflict I guess that sort of started all this is the conflict between the the NLF and basically the French citizens that were like born and 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 came up sort of came up in Mm -hmm. Algeria is is sort of like where the main conflict is because most of them are you know uh, Christian or Jewish and, and and it sort of stemmed from a sort of a religious conflict, from what I understand. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a religious conflict. I mean, whenever you have these sort of like settler settler colonialist societies, you get you know kind of a a uh, resistance from the mm-hmm. uh, indigenous population, and in some cases, uh, things go better than others. We can say, and yeah. uh, there's this kind of inherent tension there. And uh, when you have kind of you know kind of everybody having a solidarity and kind of working together, and you know without these sort of like class and racial divisions you can have you know sort of a something that looks a lot more like a a kind of even kind of sharing of cultures but Mm -hmm. that is not the norm of what's going on in these societies i mean one of the interesting things is you have these uh these three women who uh plant these bombs at one Mm -hmm. one point and what they do is they essentially like take off their traditional wear and put on western clothes right and then go into these you know what are essentially you know like western establishments playing you know rock music and stuff and that's that's where they decide to bomb. And I mean, it is you know, you know, as a, as a Western, you know, I like rock music. I'm like, hey, I'd go hang mm-hmm. out in that bar. You know, I'm not, you know, there's no there's no difficulty there. But also, you know, this is kind of a, a mark of a you know an oppressive outside culture. And uh, you know, it the film doesn't doesn't really comment on it. It just kind of presents it as something that's happening. And you know, something that was ultimately effective. Well, you know, what what happens is the uh, revolutionary movement, you know, has to kind of step up its tactics in order to be effective because they start off kind of killing, you know, kind of killing individual cops and, and that sort yeah. of thing. And they move up to bombings. And then as they escalate, then the repression escalates as well. And um, in some ways, the citizenry is just kind of trapped in between these these diametrically opposed forces. Um, right. And yet, you know, the the film definitely shows that in the end, they are they do t- kind of take the side of the uh, of the FLN, not you know the uh, not the uh, the uh, the French, you know. Yeah, the there was a name for them, but I didn't write them down uh, what they were sort of considered. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. Like first first off, that that montage that comes early in the film where they started basically assassinating officials and stuff mm-hmm. like 
that's pretty fucking effective. Like that, it just it just goes boom, 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 boom. It's like another person killed, another person killed, another person killed, and then move on. Where the sort of the religious oppression and differences sort of come out, where you get the real culture clash, they they make mention of uh, alcohol and drugs, right? Uh, where where that gets cracked down uh, by the revolutionaries. They're like, we got to get this out of our society. And you have this really interesting scene where there's this guy who's, he might just be drunk from a vendor or he might be a junkie. You don't really know, but he's walking down the street. He gets chastised by one woman who basically sort of beats on him with her fists a little bit and pushes him away. And he's just trying to go about his business and, and go down the street. He eventually gets harassed by all these children and this mob of like 20 kids Kick yeah. the shit out of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a really uh, surreal moment, and I mean, you know, I feel like it, you know, it, it it is kind of a you know how how are we supposed to feel about this kind of kind of moment, you know, yeah. and, and you know because it is you know that that uh, <laughs> you know the revolutionaries don't have to be like decent people that we agree with on every issue. Yeah. To, uh, we don't we don't have to agree with them on everything to think like yeah, but also you shouldn't be exploited for your labor and resources, you know? Yeah. That's, and I feel like that, that that kind of perspective gets lost sometimes where it's like, well, you know, I mean, you know, the, the standard line, I mean, you know, people who apologize for these kinds of wars today, you know, well, I mean, you know, we're bringing democracy to the Middle East or, we're, you know, yeah. look at, look at how they treat women, you know, they, they treat women terribly. And so like, it's perfectly okay for us to just like air bomb them. One of the lessons that we've kind of learned from, from this era, you know, and I say we is like the U S military apparatus, the, the, the lesson that, that Western powers have learned is like, well, you just don't put troops on the ground. You just bomb the shit out of everybody. You yeah. Know? <laughs> so you drone them. Let's kill 20,000 people with drones over eight years. Oh, yeah. Bob, so, I'm... you know, all, all those, all those uh, women you want to liberate, you've killed half of them already. If you're fucking drone strikes. I mean, right. <laughs> <laughs> We were after that. We were after this one guy and we got that guy. We also got like 20 of people who were standing near him. Yeah. We, we, we killed his two daughters and, yeah, you know, he turns yeah. to, and, and, you know, the, the surviving family members are now um, just as angry at us as he was. Yeah. They're even more radicalized and now they're coming after us. Right. You know. Yeah. But it's okay. But we do this from afar and no Americans were killed. So it's fine. Yeah. Uh, until um, it's ten, also, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just about to say, yeah, no Americans were killed until 10 years later when they knock another building down or something, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's also interesting that the uh, the film uh, kind of plays in with public opinion and, and sort of like international mm-hmm. opinion plays a lot in this. It's not just, I mean, that is the, the kind of revolutionary acts or the counter-revolutionary acts are not really kind of the point. The point is, you know, to kind of manipulate the way that people feel about kind of what's going right. on. Um, and in fact, you even get this kind of like press conference later in the film where you have the kind of the, the revolutionary, like the academic who kind of started the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And he has his say. And then at a certain point, like the colonel, like the uh, the leader of the imperialist yeah, the, forces, you know, the paratroopers, goes, yeah. Yeah. He basically just goes, yeah, 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 this is going in a direction I don't like. Get him out of here now. And yeah. then he starts answering questions. And he gives, I mean, again, he says, you know, if we think that France should be in Algeria, and everybody except the radical communists thinks that France should be in Algeria. <laughs> if, that, if that's how we think, then uh, you know these things are necessary. This is what this is what is necessary to win, and that's the exact argument that every force like this makes all yeah. the time. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's not even. I don't even want to discuss this as a film. It's just like, well, yeah, this is just like. It's just what happens. This is just what happens, yep. you know. Like it's <laughs> what is happening. It is. It is what is happening right now in our name. You know, 
Um, I do uh, like that that character. Um, what's his name here? I don't have it in front of me. Oh, um, um, Colonel Matthew. Yeah, Colonel Matthew. I really like that he is not. He is portrayed reasonably sympathetically. Like mm-hmm. he is portrayed as a person, kind of in here to do a job. He is, and you know, he says. You know, we get called fascists, and yet, like, we're the ones. Some of us actually suffered in like concentration camps and, yeah. uh, and during the war, and you know, because this is fifty-seven, so a lot of these people would have fought in the war. You know, he is allowed, you know, to kind of be human and to, and to like kind of make the case for torture, the case for this. I'm, I don't agree with the case he makes. No. Obviously, I mean, it's a disgusting thing that no one should ever do. But, um, you know, he's basically like, look, these people have tactics that, you know, they, they convince their people not to talk for 24 hours. And so right. if you're uh, so that they have time to the information we get from them is going to be useless. And so if we are going to track these people down, we've got to get information out of them faster than that. And the only way to do that is fucking torture people. Completely logical, reasonable conclusion, you know, <laughs> and the answer is yeah. if we're going to go after this, these revolutionaries, <laughs> these this is the methods we have to use. And I mean, ultimately part of the point of kind of publicizing this part of the point, you know, if you're a revolutionary, you sort of force the actions on the part of the Imperial power Mm -hmm. as a way of kind of showing their brutality and as a way to kind of get public opinion on your side and to kind of force pressure to make it stop essentially, you know I mean? And again, it's like, it's such a like terrible, awful thing that yeah, go ahead and torture us. And you know, we're just going to publicize that. And then of course, what do they do? They clamp down on the, on the propaganda presses and they start going after newspapers and go after, you know, today the internet, Oh, you can't, uh, you know, you can't tweet about this. You know, the journalists aren't allowed to, uh, you know, you keep the journalists in little boxes so they can't see it. And, you know, you control the information and then you can just go torture anybody you want. And who cares except for, you know, a few radical communists who think maybe the United States shouldn't be taking over <laughs> half the world. Those crazy yeah. people. Um, <laughs> yeah. Those, again, yeah those... again, it's just like it just comes right back to, you know, like 2019, man. <laughs> yeah, those, 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 those crazy socialists have only been the victims of millions of like, <laughs> well, not millions, but. Uh, at, at least uh, dozens of uh, U.S. coups over the last uh, hundred years, almost. <laughs> yeah. you know, oh like... no, absolutely! I was uh, listening to a podcast and they were talking about, uh, you know, like between I think like 1898 and 1994, there was a U.S.-backed military coup, a successful U.S.-backed military coup somewhere in South America, every 28 months. Yeah. And I, you know, for a hundred years, every like two years and a couple of months, some country gets gets its government toppled by the United States. You know, yeah. and whoever whoever wants to play ball and uh, give resources to the U.S., we'll we'll fund you. Yeah, no, you know, and yeah. and uh, fuck the people. That's ultimately kind of what's what's going mm-hmm. on in a lot of this. Is like you know the people are um, are often not considered by these. You know, the, like the new colonial, the, the new government takes power, and then they're not really doing anything for the for the people either. You know, here you actually do see. I mean, they they do the general strike, um, which is a really interesting kind of move. They organize a general strike so that no labor is being done and no resources are being extracted, and they do this, and then they also like stop any of the uh, like revolutionary activities, so all the bombings, all the shootings everything stops at the same time and it's you know kind of part of a part of a, a one kind of big push um you also see them like providing resources like providing food to people and giving people water and giving people like places to stay and that sort of thing 
it is kind of one of those things that these revolutionary movements, one of the things that they do in real life, if they, if they are successful, is provide kind of material support for the kind of broader population. And yeah. um, I, thought th- I think it's really great that that's in the film because I think that's a, a part that gets missed. I mean, so many of these, so many films like this, A, just take the side of the, you know, of the U.S. government, you know, like mm-hmm. how many fucking movies have we seen that's like, you know, then we just take down the rebels in South America, you know. And, even if then, they, even if they're critical of the U.S.'s methods, they still side with the U.S. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. you know, and, and, and it's just, it's just kind of the standard line you see in, in all of these things. And that's, you know, partly, we, I think we talked about this in the fucking Iron Eagle episode, <laughs> things, <laughs> but you know, like the, the U.S. U.S. government, like uh, you know, starting around, uh, starting in the in the um, in the early '80s and running up to today. I mean, literally, you know, <laughs> right now, uh, the U.S. government essentially has a program where they are they work with Hollywood to essentially give access to um, you know, kind of military. You can use bases and you can use ships and you can use mm-hmm. you know, kind of various things for free in your film if the military gets to like vet what's in the movie, and yeah. so therefore, like films just don't get made with sort of any kind of budget that don't get, nobody makes anything that's really critical of us military power because everybody's kind of playing with the same like batch of, everybody wants the money you know you can get like close to criticizing the us military but it's always like oh that's just a bad apple that's just like one bad exactly. guy you it's know? always it's always it's always like the bad colonel in the unit and then dwayne the rock johnson walks in and hoorah and he beats up the bad colonel and, and right. everything's solved you know yeah and then yeah and then the uh, and then the, the villagers all like you know cheer for the uh, for the us occupation to continue because mm. we'll thank be you for greeted. liberating us <laughs> We will be greeted as liberators, you know. That's the uh, that's the yeah. way it works. But it's fucking, uh, and yeah, it's it's interesting because the uh, resistance in in this the entire battle of Algiers, it, it's basically it's being fought in a way where they don't really necessarily have a chance of winning through actual violence. It's much more trying to turn the rest of the population against the the colonial powers. Right. Uh, so, so they'll, so the rebel. And by the time you get to the end of the film, you see that starting to happen, right? Where you see big protests in the streets. The revolutionary movement has kind of stuck around long enough to kind of get its message out, and it's kind of made its point until you know ordinary people, you know, ordinary people throwing rocks in the street at soldiers. Mm-hmm. If you get enough of them, you can win because ultimately, because soldiers don't like firing on unarmed civilians. Ultimately, this is just part of the part of the tactic, and you really have to dehumanize your enemy in order to get yeah. soldiers to to fire on unarmed civilians. You know, basically, if you if you just kind of treat them as all disease carrying terrorists who are going to mm-hmm. come over and bring drugs and they bring crime and they're definitely not sending their best. I mean, you know, it's the same, it's the same propaganda war that's happening, you know, and again with like the, the migrant caravans, the yeah. group of like starving people, like desperate for work, fleeing, you know, drug wars created by you know, mm-hmm. US drug policy, trying to literally trekking on foot uh, across an entire country and trying to find like safe refuge. No, no, this is like an army of invading military age men yeah. you know, who are like, and it's just fuck you. Like, I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ, like, you fucking assholes. But anyway, <laughs> this one was definitely going to get political. There was no way to not. There's no wackety schmackety doing this one. This is not uh, really. No, it's straight just, up. You know. 
Yeah, the, the the only thing is the only time you get humor out of this is just how fucking ridiculous it gets. Like it, it's so offensively ridiculous that you got to kind of laugh just to fucking steady yourself a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think my uh, the one moment where I got a little chuckle was um, you know after he's uh, captured um, after the the colonel is captured, sort of the 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 academic guy and uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's turned himself in and they're sitting in the back of that car and there's almost a we're not so different, you and I. Moment, yeah. you know? They really do have this meeting of the minds where it's like, you know, there's no Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Yeah. You know? so there's, there's, <laughs> it, it doesn't quite go there, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it still stays on this side of reality, but there is a, um, there is a, a neat little exchange there where you, you feel like, you know, there is a, there is a kind of, uh, I don't want to say a mutual respect, but the, but the Colonel definitely has like some, you know, level of respect for, uh, yeah. for uh, like, the revolutionary. They, they, they both they both understand each other's position basically. But, right. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I uh, there's an earlier scene that I really enjoyed where I mean they do kind of have the conversation um where you know two of the revolutionaries kind of have a conversation about like their methods and and what is, you know. Oh yeah, they they make a they make a point of yeah, we're going to have to do some nasty shit at the beginning to turn the population. So we're going to have to kill some civilians. Right. Yeah. They, they they make it they make it pretty clear. It's like yeah, we're gonna have to do some bad things. We're gonna have to kill some civilians to to get them on our side. You know. Well, and uh, the academic gets asked in that press conference, "Do you think it's right to use like babies' bonnets as you know delivery system for bombs?" And it's like, well, we use that because that's what we have. France has you know bombers. If they yeah, will give like, us their bombers, I'll we'll we'll stop using the bonnets. So <laughs> and it's like, yeah, he makes a good point. I, that moment I'm thinking about kind of Israel-Palestine, all the propaganda is all, you know, anti-Palestinians, you know, Palestinians attacking Israeli soldiers. And then, like, what happens? Well, Israeli soldiers are literally, like, you know, sniping at children on the other yeah. side of the border. Jesus Christ, you fucking assholes. You know? Yeah, fuck, <laughs> fuck Israel, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not to say we are anti-Semites here. <laughs> we are no. definitely pro-Jewish, anti-Israel. That's the uh, That's the official line here. I'm good with anyone who's not trying to grind a, a whole other race under their fucking feet. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you enough, can be you can be as Jewish as you want as long as you're not trying to oppress and and destroy a whole other uh, people. Right. We're against the we're against the military dictatorship. Uh, you know the, the right yeah. authoritarian government. We're not against human beings with a particular ethnic or religious background. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, this was this was really good. I mean, the uh, basically mostly credit as, as a uh, Ennio Morricone score, but uh, there's oh, shit, shit. Did I even write his fucking name down? I, sh- I should have. God damn it, Joe Ponticorvo, the, the director, I guess, also was in on the music for this, but he couldn't take full credit because of some weird melodist composer classification in Italy, which made it that he required another composer as well to be in it with him, which is okay. Uh, so, <laughs> so he got Morricone and do you think that's the only reason they put that, uh, you know, dum, 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 yeah. dum, 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 which, uh, you know, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great piece of music. Um, it feels a lot of place in this film. You it, know? It's, it's weird because like, you're, well, you're kind of, it feels, like, it feels like suddenly I'm watching the dirty dozen or something. You know? Yeah. But, you're, it's, it's weird. It, it sounds like a sort of a exploitation movie score in this yeah. very serious sort of semi-docudrama thing. And you're kind of expecting, I don't know, I guess I'd be expecting like some Middle Eastern 
kind of thing going on, like some sort of uh, snake charmer music or something racist as that, you know? Like, <laughs> no, I, I, you know, me, I would expect it to be uh, um, di- as diegetic as possible, honestly, mm. you know, like like street music sort of stuff. Yeah. But I guess, I guess they they um, stuck it in there, and I mean, it is like very deliberately. This is the these are the paratroopers coming in to to wreak havoc and do evil. You know, it's, it's yeah. It's almost like playing like the Imperial March from Star Wars or something. Yeah, it kind of is. It feels yeah. it feels almost like you know we're we're putting it we're putting our finger on that button just a little bit harder than maybe the film is quite ready to. It's almost a satirical move, right? But uh, you know, I don't know. It seems it seemed a little out of place, but uh, I think it's 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 effective. And of course, I love the piece of music. But you know, honestly, I mean, if you were going to point out any part of this film as being propaganda, maybe it would be the the soundtrack. <laughs> the way it yeah. tries to sway you, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and the he, and the extended torture scenes, you know, which well, are, yeah, um, I, I thought it was interesting that it opened up with the aftermath of a torture. It didn't, show yeah, it yeah. To you. So, yeah. so it doesn't, and then you don't really get to see any of it until you know, really much later on, until about three quarters of the way through the film is when you really get kind of that extended stuff. And uh, you yeah, know, see, <laughs> let's uh, let's just say if you're in history. As we all are, but if you if you're if you're in history and you're wondering, am I the good guy in this situation? And you're torturing someone, the answer is no. It's yeah, just you're... it's just the answer is no. Yeah, you're you're as at the very least you're as big a monster as the person you 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 think is a monster that you're victimizing. Right. Well, even you know, indeed, if you have that uh, opinion of the person you're victimizing, <laughs> usually it's probably not even that it's it's just yeah you're a monster right and i mean you know to be to be you know just clear about it i mean the uh the the torture sequences in this film are actually fairly light in terms of what is actually done to human beings even today but i mean you know some of the stuff in like argentina and chile during the 70s was just i mean just atrociously bad and you know like orders of magnitude worse than than what we see in this film and and what we see in this film is pretty fucking bad just to be clear this is the this is still kind of the fun and games we can actually show this in a movie version of this is there uh, i I was sort of while i was watching it i did fall asleep briefly early on um and that was just because I was really super tired. It's not that I didn't sure. like the movie. Was there not a guillotine scene in the in the prison? I no. might have missed it. I don't. I didn't see one. I thought I saw the guy who uh, becomes radicalized and then brought into the the movement um, in prison because he's just like a street uh, hustler who gets right. caught. I thought there was a part where they wa- where he watches a prisoner be led out and have his head chopped off in the gu- in the guillotine. Uh, it's entirely possible i just uh turned away in that second but uh you know france if i'm not mistaken they used that as their corporal punishment up until the 70s yeah no it was standard you know like if you're gonna execute someone you know use the guillotine it's the you know new fancy modern thing to do and well i mean also when you when you think about when you think about it it's probably the most efficient way it's ever been done when you look at like how many modern methods fail the first time (laughs) right it's like you know you put a guy in a gas chamber or you do like the chemical uh fucking uh execution and it doesn't take the first time yeah no and then the and then the guy's like spazzing out on the table and you got to pump the chemicals in them again or like fuck man well i mean and i mean just god we're talking about colonialism and capital punishment in this episode <laughs> yeah this is this is really the fun one you know yeah yeah let's go back to the lesbian vampires and that no let's mm. not um you know 
But, you know, <laughs> one week, uh, lesbian vampires, let's uh, do a goofy, like, sex comedy series, and then, like, uh, yeah, colonialism and capital punishment. No, I mean, the whole reason that we don't just use a firing squad or a, a hanging scaffold is that, you know, it's like we're trying to make the process more humane. We're trying to, like, yeah. distance ourselves emotionally from it by turning it into something that's scientific or something that's, you know, like, more of, oh, well, you know, if you're just going to have chemicals pumped into you and we can, like, kind of control that and we can restrain you and you just kind of fall asleep or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the whole point is that the whole idea of taking someone's life by this, you know, activity of the state is, like, inherently a barbaric thing to do mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the idea that you know we're going to make it more humane just ends up making it um more monstrous you know like it would it would if you're going to execute me you know just put me in front of a post and put a bullet in my head you know like it's 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 much more honest than you know like pretending oh we're going to make it easier by like electrocuting you painlessly or whatever honestly you know? i would want the guillotine yeah, if, if 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 I had the choice, I'd want the guillotine because if someone shoots me in the head, there's a slight chance that bullet's just going to curve around my skull and I'm not going to die the first time. Right. <laughs> if if a big blade comes down and chops my head off, that's science, bitch. I'm not going to be. <laughs> I'm not going to be living. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, just just hope the uh, the blade is sharp. You know, that's the uh, that's the key. <laughs> it, it comes down, it stops halfway through my neck, and I'm still alive but paralyzed. <laughs> or, or it like it... <laughs> <laughs> like um like like those Plato dispensers, you know, where like you know you get the, and it just kind of like squishes out. You know, that's oh. the. Uh... I just had this like cartoony image of you know your your neck just like splooting out like uh you know like Plato. <laughs> Maybe they could just catapult me into a volcano or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, cap- capital punishment is is awful anyway. So yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, this this was. Um, well, I can't say it was a lot of fun to watch, but it was definitely interesting to watch. It's, it's, it's probably it. on my top ten of the year, you know. Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, I've already got two on my top ten now. Fucking yeah, good. yeah, me too. So you know, there you go. Yeah. Um, God, do I have three now? Oh man, that's oh Jesus. We're already racking them up. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> we're one month in the year. We got to start watching some <laughs> shittier movies, man. Yeah, <laughs> we really need to fucking take it down a couple notches. Um, no more masterpieces, goddammit. <laughs> yeah, fuck the shit. Let's uh, let's find some really bad Franco films. Because of its contentious pro-Algerian politics, the film wasn't released in France until 1971. Even then, I think it was released in like censored forms. Uh, oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, um, the character of Colonel. Uh... <laughs> I just, I just imagine, you know, like the like the censored version. It, you know, it turns out that they just make the the Colonel an American, and you know, <laughs> yeah, we brought in a really bad guy to this bit, you know, and then they have him like they have yeah, like a little CG cowboy hat on him or something, you know. <laughs> He's like, you know, speaking with a Texan accent, you know, like you know, we got to take care of them Arabs, you know. That's that's the. Uh, <laughs> Well, I tell you what, Pilgrim, we gotta take care of these Arabs. <laughs> He's got like some Roy Rogers pistol. Wayne. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had this problem in the in the Vietnam with the Green Berets, <laughs> but yeah, um, the character of Colonel Matthew is loosely based on the real life General Jacques Massu, 
uh, right-wing elements of the French army led by General Massou seized power in Algiers and threatened uh, to conduct an assault on Paris involving paratroopers and armed forces based based at uh, Ramboulet, unless Charles de Gaulle was placed in charge of the Republic of France. Uh, so mm-hmm. that, that was like, put. I, I think that was de Gaulle being put back in power or was that the first time he was put in power? I can't remember. Um, but uh this definitely sent waves. This whole revolution set waves into uh, French society for for decades afterwards. Yeah. In 2003, um, as you as you mentioned, the New York Times reported that the Pentagon screened this film for officers and civilian experts who were discussing the challenges faced by the U.S. military forces in Iraq. The flyer inviting guests to the screening reads, "How to win a battle against terrorism and lose the war of ideas." Yes. Maybe, maybe if they'd taken that a little bit more seriously, maybe they could. Yeah, like, you know, like maybe this is a bad idea. Maybe, maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe we should just stay the fuck out of other people's business. And then maybe. Dick Cheney's like, "But oil, oil? yeah, and you know? Halliburton, uh... um, yeah, we 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 need some oil. Mm-hmm. And you know, how am I how am I not going to make a hundred million dollars in oil revenues?" If we don't go kill a whole bunch of brown people, yeah, let's let's you know. use let's use the U.S. military right now because I don't want to necessarily hire like you know eighty thousand mercenaries to do this job. I yeah, just... we're gonna we're gonna start off with U.S. soldiers and then eventually hire mercenaries. Yeah, but we're gonna call them independent contractors. Right, and Fuck. yeah, <laughs> so fucking disgusting. Uh, uh, there's also there's also one one other moment I'll mention that that's really interesting where the colonel there is actually like playing shots like like footage that they've shot yeah. of like these checkpoints and you see like some of the people who are are kind of revolutionaries and amongst the the other he's doing the thing that this film was then used in 2003 so there's a there's a real kind of meta element to that you know yeah. of you know the fact that this film then kind of gets used that way it's it's yeah, that that's that was a fascinating little moment for me. Is you know, see, they were they were looking at that box, and that box might have had a false bottom, but you know, they didn't check. They didn't check <laughs> properly. And no, it was the pretty girl they just walked by. That was that was who did that. You know, yeah, the, the, you know, there's some pretty girls, and then there's like a lot of women in like uh, hijabs or whatever, like passing pistols to people as well. Oh yeah, you know? no, that's yeah. the uh, you know that's the way to do it. You know, it's uh, this is a great film. It really is. Yeah. Um, Budget was eight hundred thousand. Box office apparently uh, domestically. So I'm assuming that's uh, it's either the U.S. number or it's like the Italian number. I think because it's an Italian, uh, like Algerian co-production kind of thing. Eight hundred and seventy-nine thousand seven hundred ninety-four dollars. So it wasn't you know a big money maker, but I mean, go figure. This movie was blackballed and censored in a lot yeah, of places be, just because just by France, you know. So that's the uh, U.S. domestic total. Yeah, okay, okay. It, it so, links to the box office mojo, so. Yeah, so I, I mean, I imagine, you know, that's still technically kind of okay for this movie because you can't think there was too much advertising going on for this film. It's well, I mean, of- there's, there's, that's just kind of the U.S. total, and they, 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 you know, it, it, it's definitely made its money back yeah. in the long term, you know. A film like this is not going to be the, the, uh, you know, the giant blockbuster, you know, but, uh, <laughs> It, it, but, it served its purpose. It was, you know, it made it made its money back. That's what these films do. Yeah. Uh, so first off, I'm just gonna mention there's three or four versions of this on YouTube. 
Uh-huh. Only one of them is worth checking. It, it's basically the one that says English subs in the title. Yeah, that's the one to check because it's it's a good quality. The rest of them are like two forty p or whatever. Mm. Um, DVD info for this Criterion Collection in two thousand four of the DVD, and then twenty eleven Blu Ray, and all nice. the versions you see online are all like basically the Criterion rips. I, I ended up uh, renting this from um, Amazon Prime, or okay. Amazon for like four bucks or something, and it was a gorgeous fucking print. So nice, you know. Nice. If you're, um, I did check out the YouTube version. Um, I I did find a couple of them. Um, they just didn't look quite as as spiffy. So I was like, yeah, it's worth the uh, it's worth a little bit of extra to. Yeah, um, there yeah. there was a there was a couple of the YouTube versions that were like, holy shit, why'd you even bother putting this up if you were gonna <laughs> like? I I love when you find those and it's like you know uploaded 11 years ago or something. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah. Well, you know, that's probably all they had at that point. Probably. Know? Yeah. This was, this was a different age. <laughs> you ripped it from your criterion DVD and that's you what you got. You ripped, out of it. It, you ripped it in three sixty P or whatever. And, <laughs> you, know, you put it up and you know, it was fine. Two forty or one forty four. I remember like downloading movies in like the late nineties when I first got a T one connection. You know, yeah. And like you download, and it was like a three gigabyte file, and it was you know like it took up like half your hard drive, and so you <laughs> you could, you literally have like four movies like on your hard drive at all. So you mm-hmm. literally like download it on a day, like take a day to download, and he'd watch it and then have to delete it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh daniel what are we doing next time i have no idea i was hoping you had a uh you had a suggestion i uh you know i was i was kind of thinking like uh you know doing another black and white something i didn't really mm-hmm. have anything in particular i just kind of like the idea of doing four black and whites in a row um ideally from like some director or writer that we haven't uh, done before um, but I'm kind of open. I mean, if you want to do, uh, we had talked about maybe doing like a Pam Greer uh, episode, do uh, Coffee and Foxy Brown. But uh, we, I mean, we could do Buster Scruggs. Um, although I, I just watched that, so maybe you know, take a couple of weeks and yeah, that one. But, um, you know, you know, we're gonna do westerns coming up, so we might as well save it for that. You know. Yeah, we could jump into some black exploitation because I mean on my uh on our other little uh, side podcast uh Blood on the Tracks the next 2 months I'm going to be doing more black exploitation soundtracks awesome. and scores on that. So well, yeah, let's just let's just do uh, Coffee and Foxy Brown. Let's just do them both. Let's do it. All right. Done. <laughs> Easy Neither enough. of which I've seen all the way through, so these will both be first time watches for me. So Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Get us some Pam Greer love into this motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. We haven't had nearly enough Pam Greer in this. Podcast. No, we have not. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. So. <laughs> I, hate, I hate it. You know, let's do some black exploitation as our black and white series. That's not, you know, <laughs> this is not intentional. I promise. I promise. But, uh, you know, yeah, we're the cream. Pam Greer, Pam Greer is the coffee. You know, it's solar is took. Oh, this is the most racist one we've done yet. <laughs> yeah, it was. It if this was is as racist as we get, I think we're. I think we're probably okay. But you know, it's beautiful racism. It's it's the best kind. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, how I feel about Pam Greer, the best kind of racism there is. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's gonna clip that one. Yeah, yeah, no, no court. Court Psyops is gonna is gonna clip that one. I yeah, think. I, I, I told him he should clip from our shows. He should really get some yeah. sound bites going. But you know, whatever. Um, so Daniel, tell us about where people can find you and about your uh, podcast that's very much against racism. 
Yeah, no, uh, you know, I, I, you know, we're 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 playing this up a little bit and uh, just kind of admitting we're a couple of white guys talking about this shit. You know, none of the, all of this is meant in 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 fun and not in any hostile way whatsoever. Uh, I do another podcast. We've done three episodes of it uh, with Jack Graham, who's been on this uh, podcast a few times, who recommended this movie to us. It's called I Don't Speak German, and it is uh, conversations about the conversations that actually genocidal racists have. Because <laughs> I've spent the last two years following these people on the internet, and I have lots of things that I can tell you about them. And if you're interested in that, please go check that out. The uh, third episode uh, came out this week, and it was uh, an examination of the uh, Unite the Right rally, um, which was the uh, the Charlottesville car attack, and yeah. we went into a lot of those details. And that was... You know, if the, if you think this one was a little bit kind of a depressing episode to listen to, yeah, go check that <laughs> <Jeez>. one out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, uh, yeah, you can check me out there. Uh, also, I'm at Daniel Lee Harper on Twitter if you want to, uh, you know, poke at me and tell me tell me I suck or something. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. What, you know, what, whatever is your whim, millennials on the internet, just, you know, jump into it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I love, I love that. Like, you know, I'm like 38 years old and I'm like, yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm like hip and young. And it's like, no, no, no. You no. Know, nobody's like 21 on Twitter. They're like hanging out in like discord chats and, you know, doing, you know, it's like, <laughs> they're, they're, you know, it's like Twitter. That's like, that's like what my dad gets on. Come on. What are you yeah. talking about? You know, so it's weird. Like, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and of course you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com where you can find our requisite links to apple podcasts youtube facebook join the facebook group they must be destroyed on site on facebook where you can find out what's coming up on the podcast and you know you can leave us movie suggestions and things like that uh eventually we get around to some of them you know yeah yeah after after like two or three years we will finally do one and you know yeah. Then the, the original the original person that suggested it isn't even listening anymore because they gave yeah, up on us. Like, I can't even like find their posts anymore because they're no longer a member of the group or something like Facebook to racism or some shit. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Uh, so until then, yeah, we're gonna be jumping into some black exploitation. So I mean, we didn't necessarily plan Black History Month or anything like that, but it's gonna kind of coincide with that. Yeah, and then we've got some we've got some um, uh, some requests that are going to lead us into like doing some you know kind of we're going to do like black clansmen and we're going to do right. some stuff and I swear it was not like intentional like let's do that for February it was just sort of like that's kind of where things were leading and so we just went yeah we're going to do some of that so I was when I was thinking of what I was going to do for Blood on the Tracks I was I was like mulling it over in my mind it's like what do I want to do and it's like I've got a shit ton of black exploitation soundtrack shit that i haven't put up yet to talk about and then after i compiled the list and i was like oh shit this is gonna come out in february (laughs) (laughs) i did not plan this but we promise we don't really want to be that stereotype it's just the way it's 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 happening so yeah yeah uh but yeah until then uh thank you daniel thank you everyone for listening and uh, we'll see you guys again next episode goodbye cheers
You have been listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. For other episodes, our links to Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and our Facebook group, as well as links to podcasts and websites of similar interest, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through. <laughs>